What's up, guys? It's time to go Behind the Bum. What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of Behind the Bum. Today, I invited three guests on who all spoke to me about their experience being HIV positive. So I thought this would be a good time to educate everybody on what it means to be HIV positive, how they found out, and some of the treatments they all took in terms of being undetectable. So let me start with my first guest, Chris. How are you, babe? I'm good. How are you doing? I am well, <laughs> hungover as shit. Um, You're doing all right. Yeah. Um, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Portland, Oregon. It's my current city. And how old? And my next guest is Shane. Where are you coming from, Shane? I'm well. Where do you live? I am in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's this place that's a little homophobic. Not so much Richmond. Uh, I am from Virginia, uh, Southwest Virginia. So if you head to the other end of the state, it's a little bit different. Okay, so you're in like a good part. I'd say so. And how old are you? I'm 32. You look like you're maybe 20. Well, I very much so appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> and Christopher, what about you? Uh, I grew up in New York and currently living in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Why did you leave this place? Uh, there was a lot of things that brought me down here. Uh, recovery being one, and I also don't really like the winter. So the sun and the I beach kind of suits me better. to leave. Although when I was just in Florida, I feel like I almost had an anxiety attack because no one there wears a mask. Uh, I was like itching around everybody who said, oh, I'm from Florida. I was like, mm, dirty. <laughs> it's, it's still the South. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for coming on because I know some of this stuff might be easier than other things to talk about. Um, but Shane, I'll start with you. Like prior to finding out you were HIV positive, um, did you think you were like knowledgeable on it? Not at all. I did not know anything. Um, I think the, the area I was from, we didn't really have a lot of resources. Um, and even in school, we didn't have a lot of public education. Um, HIV was not something that I ever remember being mentioned, uh, even between gay friends that I had. Yeah. I feel like I remember learning about it in like health class, but you take health class when you're in like fifth grade. So it's like, I didn't even like get my dicks. I maybe started jerking off in fifth grade. You know what I mean? So like you telling me about HIV, like I'm not comprehending what right. that really means. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't, wrong time to be learning about that. Christopher, what about you? Um, me, I didn't really have much knowledge on it either. I just knew that it was one of the bad guys. Um, like I, I knew about the other ones, you know, chlamydia, syphilis, herpes, you know, that was kind of, spoke about in school and like when I was younger, but no one really spoke about HIV and I didn't really have any gay role models or, you know, any gay man or woman to look up to when I was younger. Yeah. So I really had absolute no knowledge on it. It was just the last house on the block and I made it there. Yeah. Chris, what about you? Uh, no, I mean, back, back when I first tested positive, it was, terrifying like I wasn't educated on it I was scared of it um, and I think that my outlook on it was pretty 
pretty normal for that day, which was, you know, you look at it as a death sentence and, you know, within five years of becoming positive, that really kind of started to change for the better. So when you first got it, it was like a scary thing because there was no treatment at all available. Largely. I mean, there was some pretty brutal medicines that could kind of slow down the progression of the disease, but there wasn't a therapeutic treatment for it that would actually prolong life. Hmm. Well, not to be too personal, but I guess when you, Shane, I'll start with you. When you first found out, how did you take it or did you call anybody? How, how did that go for you? Um, I actually went with an ex. We had broken up after about six months, but we still continued to live together for a year and a half. Uh-huh. And we were friends um, and he went with me. Uh, he was the one who had actually got emotional. I think I was just kind of in a uh, state of, you know, uh, just couldn't believe it. Um, so I didn't even cry or get upset for a couple of days. Um, and then I definitely got wasted that night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's um, probably a lot to process when someone tells you that. Cause I feel like I have a lot yeah. of people think, Oh, it won't happen to me. So I think you just like to finally find out that it does happen to you. It probably doesn't just hit you immediately. No, not at all. I was pretty open about it, but I, I went back, uh, we went back to our place and I had a lot of friends in the area and we all got together and had through a big party, made a gin bucket, I think. So you just like, you were like, you know what, this is who, it, what it is. And just, you didn't try to hide it. I did not. That's good. Christopher, what about you? Me, when I first found out, I would think I was, I was around 22 or 23 and, um, I was in the middle of like active addiction. So I was using really hardcore, um, a lot of other substances. Um, so contracting HIV was one of the consequences of my using. So when I figured that out, when the doctor told me, I didn't really have any thoughts or emotions. It was just another excuse to go deeper down the well. And, um, you know, I didn't take any action against it for quite some time. So if I was diagnosed at 23, I didn't really start to seek treatment until I was 26. Wow. So I went three years just under the rug and, you know, I, I ran rampant because I didn't really have a desire to one, continue living. And after hearing that, I kind of figured, well, I'm gonna go, I might as well go harder at this. Um, things changed eventually. That's, you asked me why I moved to Florida. And one of the reasons was to you know, get clean and sober. And once I did that, I started to address other issues in my life, including HIV. So um, things got a lot better <laughs> once I decided to get honest with me. And once I decided to get honest with another individual, like uh, family, friends, fellows, um, the doctor himself, I would always like say, you know, I'm fine. I don't need anything. But um, eventually it came to the point where I was, I was nearing my deathbed. So I needed to seek treatment. That is crazy. How long ago was that? Like, how old are you? I am 29 currently. I got clean and sober at the age of 25, 26, or 2017. So um, one that. of the one of the first things I it's funny. Like I was I was at a meeting and uh, I was crying because I thought I was a biohazard. I th- I thought that no one wanted me. So um, a whole bunch of these other gay men, which I didn't have earlier on in my life, but once I got clean and sober, I found gay role models to help me and show me the ropes. And, you know, they, they put their arm around me and they showed me where to go and they pointed me to the right direction. 
So um, I think it's really important for younger gay men to have someone to look up to, you know, uh, a gay person or an LGBTQ member to um, kind of let them know what's up, to let them know that it's going to be okay. Well, I think the good thing about social media is things are more available, if you will. You know what I mean? So like, even if you don't want to read or you don't want to see it, things are available as like a resource nowadays that like you can find the information if you seek for it. You know what I mean? And I think that let's say if somebody listening to this wants to reach out to you, they could just DM you, ask questions. You know what I mean? Like, I think the way we're moving is I think we're all very open and communicate well. I mean, it's different when you go to a club because then everybody doesn't acknowledge you as often. But through, through the screen, I feel like everybody's very nice. Well, Chris, let me ask you, what, what, how did you first take it? Um, you know, it was, it was surprising, you know, it was something you're not really prepared for. And, um, I kind of felt like the, the guy who gave me my diagnosis at the LGBT community center was struggling with his comfort level with it too, which didn't help at all. Um, you know, it was, it was like, ah, you know, it looks like we could have a positive result here. We should probably, you know, do some follow-up testing. And I was just like, no, you know, 26 year old me did not want to be in that, that mind space where I had to like plan about long-term future care. Um, so I got my affairs in LA in order and moved back to Portland and kind of waited to die. And that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, fortunately, yeah, you made it here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. So Shane, I'll go back to you, but is there anybody in your life that still doesn't know about it? Well, after so much time, um, I was 19 when I found out. So it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for a long time, I mistakenly let that be my identity and it's not, it's, you know, um, so as a present, um, it's not something I just openly share out there. If you're a close friend of mine, yeah. If you're a sexual partner, yeah. Um, but when I was living in Southwest Virginia, I was pretty much the only open person and at that time. Um, so it was a little traumatic, I guess. Um, yeah. I thought that if I was open, I would help um, to you know, uh, break down the stigma, I'd help educate. Um, but for me personally, it was pretty hard. A lot of people uh, said a lot of really nasty things. Oh, I'm sure. A lot of lies. So it was especially now hard that to deal in with. like a big city, it's probably even worse because I feel like people yeah. are only so knowledgeable. It's like equivalent. So if you go to a place, like if two gay people walk down the street, they're like caught off guard. You know what I mean? Like they don't know how to take it. So I feel like when you don't surround yourself or you're not knowledgeable on it, people just don't know how to react or take things properly. And, and this was, you know, maybe 2007, early 2008 and totally different from now, you know, like very I'm, different time. It's kind of unacceptable. I think at this point for a person to not have a very basic knowledge back then it was a little different. Well, I think a lot of people now do not, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be honest. I was actually, I went to brunch yesterday and I was talking with my friends and I was like saying how excited I was just to like gain knowledge for my own self. You know what I mean? Because I feel like you don't get to have open conversations about this very often. And we were talking about like our friend group and we were like, nobody in our inner circle 
has had it or experienced somebody that was like, like no one even off grinder has like hit me up with like saying like, Oh, I want to hook up with you by the way. I'm positive. Like I've never even had that experience. Hmm. So it's like, I feel like to have an open conversation, I was looking forward to it because I feel like a lot of people really don't know anything, to be honest. They're just, they hear the word and they're like, Oh, I hope I don't end up getting it one day, but what happens when you do, you know? I don't know. Do you guys, have you guys ever felt, Chris, I'll start with you. Have you ever felt like a stigma when it comes to like getting with guys, if you will? Oh, completely. Um, you know, I feel like the, the only people that I told when I first became positive were people that were potential sexual partners. Um, you know, I didn't have a a personal support group, but the people that I was potentially going to be intimate with, I definitely wanted to make sure that I was completely transparent, transparent about it. Um, and all of my profiles that I've ever had on dating sites list my zero status. So it's, it's definitely out there. And, um, Yeah, it's, it's definitely been something that I, I definitely feel at least a passive stigma, if not an active yeah. stigma. You know, I feel like some of the drugs that I took early on have kind of marked my body. So people that do know about the disease could probably make a visual assessment about whether or not I'm positive or negative. But it's surprising how many people that are younger don't, don't have the knowledge to take up those, those visual cues. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would notice, to be honest. Yeah. Like, what do you classify as a visual cue? Um, facial wasting. So, you know, my, my cheeks are pretty sunken in from taking drugs back in the 90s um, that, you know, of course, nobody's accountable for, but I also wouldn't be here without. So it's kind of hard to, you know, have a hard feeling about it. But um, facial wasting was definitely a big thing that, that, you could kind of eyeball someone and say, yeah, they're probably either, you know, in a drug cycle or on medication for HIV. Hmm. Do you think people in the nineties, were they open to hooking up with people or was it like they were scared to hook up with anybody who was positive? I think there was a lot of fear out there. Um, I think that having HIV in the nineties kind of highlighted something that we all experience as gay men, which is if you've got a straight friend who has a gay friend and they meet you, they're like, you should meet the gay friend. You should obviously be together, you know? And in the nineties, it was kind of like, oh, you know what? I know somebody that's positive. You guys should have sex. And I'm all, that's exactly how it works, you know? <laughs> Interesting. That so it's like a nightmare to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, best intentions, right? That's what we assume. So you have those conversations with people and kind of explain it to people that are negative the same way that you explain to people that are straight that, you know, just because we have one thing in common doesn't make us a great match. Um, and you have to do it in a way that kind of keeps them coming back to the conversation so that you can reduce that stigma in the future. Yeah, it definitely, I think is a lot better now stigma wise you know what I mean I think there's a lot of people are more knowledgeable but it's definitely not where it should be maybe more comfortable but not more knowledgeable you yeah. know 
like they they accept it because it's not a death sentence anymore there is there is treatment for it so it's not as scary as it used to be but yeah to your earlier point i think that there's still a lot of people that are naive to it yeah christopher what about you uh have i experienced stigma in regards to being positive yes. um yes and no and I, I really appreciate what chris just had to say because it does feel like a lot more people are comfortable with it rather than knowledgeable with it um you know i on my dating profiles it clearly states that i'm positive um i just feel like it's my responsibility to let people know and how they take it is honestly none of my business if they are exhibiting fear if they have this stigma you know that's on them i i'm not going to be burdened with feeling like i felt in the past like a biohazard i'm not gonna i don't want to put myself under this this microscope of feeling like shit just because i contracted something um so i do my best to just say hey you know what we're not going to be a match um i am undetectable i you know i do everything that i need to do to take care of myself and to make sure others don't contract it but um if that's how you feel like that's cool you can be on your way i'll either block them or say you know have a good day yeah, but um yeah. i i don't want to be berated i don't think it's fair for me to be berated i don't think it's fair for any of my friends to be berated just because they are positive as well and i had this experience with this guy i was talking to and he's he's on prep and <laughs> i'm you know i'm undetectable and i've i take my meds frequently pretty much every night for the past three years i take triumec I know I'm undetectable. I'm healthier than most, you know, negative people when it comes to my blood work. And um, he pretty much he tried to use me being positive as an excuse to break up with me because he had this fear of contracting it, even though he's on prep and he's taking all the necessary precaution to not contract it. And I'm taking all of the necessary precaution to not give it to someone but there's still some underlining fear in his psyche saying, I can't do this because I'm gonna get it. Even though modern science is pretty much protecting, protecting us both. So um, interesting. Yeah, so the stigma is still alive. Fear is a real thing. And you know what? It is not my responsibility to quell someone's fear. I mean, just, a perception is perception. And sometimes it's difficult to change that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not positive, so I can only like relay this so much, but I feel like, it's probably equivalent to you hear the interaction with your straight friends about how they say like the word faggot or this and that. And then all of a sudden, once you say you're gay, you never hear about it again, but you know, when you're not around, they're probably still saying, calling each other faggots and like doing things that now they just don't do in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what does that mean exactly for anybody listening, Christopher, I'll stay with you, but like, what does that mean when you say undetectable? Undetectable for me means that I am taking all the necessary action to not give anyone else HIV. That means that I am taking my medication. That means that I am seeing the doctor every three months. That means I'm not putting myself in any precarious sexual positions or locations. And that means that I'm loving myself and I'm taking care of my body because I haven't done that for so long. So contracting HIV was actually somewhat of a blessing, but it, it kind of taught me that I'm worthwhile yeah and that you're alive yeah so how long shane i'll ask you how long does it take from the time you found out you were positive how long does it take to become undetectable 
Um, well, I started taking medication right away as soon as I got into a doctor appointment and uh, I had a follow up every three months and within the first three months I was already um, untransmittable, which is a better way to classify um, being undetectable. Um, my doctor, after a while, um, I, I'm kind of just paranoid about it. So I just like want to make sure I'm good. And um, he recommends, I mean, at this point, you know, I don't really need to even go more than every six months to a year, but I still go every three months. Um, yeah. And I have, I mean, it's been, this was 2008 and uh, I have never been detectable since, um, even with changing medication once. So there is multiple forms of medication. Oh yeah. I mean, it depends on the person, their body, their body chemistry, you know, all that stuff. Um, the only reason why I even change the medication is just because over time, you know, technology evolves, things get better. Uh, it was something really slight, like better kidney functions or something, yeah. you know, and, um, just one pill a day for most people. Um, I'm sure Chris might have more, a lot more to say about medications. Um, yeah, Chris, luckily, how long did it take for you? Um, you know, there, I'm trying to remember if there was such a thing as undetectable when I first started taking meds. Um, and I don't, I don't remember that even being part of the conversation. Um, but I did go through a lot of different regimens in the first probably six years that I was on, on meds and I was well-managed, but definitely, you know, definitely still felt toxic. Um, but once like the, the three pill combos started coming into fashion versus, you know, the whole laundry list of pills that you had to take. Um, I got to the point where I was undetectable at the what 50 copies per milliliter. So, you know, right now undetectable means that there's no virus under or over 1.3 copies per milliliter. So the sensitivity has gotten greater and greater over the decades that we've been treating this. Um, and, you know, I was, I mean, it was a badge of honor when I became undetectable at 50 copies. And when I learned that there was a new sensitivity um, that they could test for, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I had this anxiety that I would suddenly be detectable again. And, um, you know, my doctor switched me up a couple of times for kind of similar reasons to Shane, where there was just better medicine, but there's also um, kind of a heritage medicine that I take. I call it a heritage medicine because the scientific community just believes that once you've been on one particular medicine, you tend to do better long-term if you stay on it versus going off of it. So instead of one pill a day, I get two pills a day, but that's a lot better than I think 27 was my pill tally at one point where 27. Yeah. There was a medicine that I had to take four pills three times a day. Um, <laughs> and they were chewable. So it was very delightful. That is crazy. Yeah. And so um, Christopher, are you also on one pill a day now? I'm on one pill. I take Triomec. It was the first one that my doctor gave me and he said, don't fuck it up. And I haven't. <laughs> that's that's, that's good. So, simple instructions. <laughs> so the normal treatment process then, or I'll ask you guys all this. How did you initially find out you were positive? Like, did you have any 
sudden symptoms or signs? Like, did you feel any type of way or was it just a regular testing and you just found out that way? I'll let any of you go, whoever has anything. I went because I was, I was actually getting a penicillin shot for something else. And the doctor looked at me and he said, you look like I should test you for more things. So the doctor went ahead and he, he tested me for everything. He did the full gambit. And then that's when I found out that I was HIV positive. So I went in to treat chlamydia and I walked out learning that I was HIV positive. Wow. Chris, what about you? I saw something. Uh, mine was just regular testing. You know, I, I had had a boyfriend that tested positive while we were dating and we started making sure that I got tested every three months. And, um, it was about three years after, after he tested positive that I finally got my, my first exposure. Um, and yeah, so it was just regular maintenance testing. You know, I knew, I knew enough to be afraid of it, but I didn't know enough to competently have sex, you know, like for me using a condom when I had sex was the only thing that you could do. There was no, there was no prep. There was, you know, no science. It was really just like, here, use this thing that we've had for a couple hundred years and hope for the best. Yeah, no, that's tough. I'll be honest. I'm not on prep and I don't know why I'm not on prep. I just feel like I, I get very, not weird, but I don't want to like take something that my body then feels like I'm forced to get used to. And I also feel like I use a condom every time. Like I haven't done anything that's like, oh, this is alarming that I should probably like get put on it. Like I don't put myself in like situations, but I mean, I guess it only takes one time, but I don't know. I mean, it's kind of funny because there's this whole um, kind of pride culture around being negative that has made me laugh for 20 years. You know, it's, it's one of those things where people, people wear being negative as a badge of honor. And I'm like, when were you tested? You know, have you had sex since then? Like, are you, are you fully thinking about what being negative means versus the stigma that's attached to being positive? And it's like, you know what? It's a lot easier for me to stay undetectable than it is for a negative person to stay negative. Well, like, you want to know it's crazy. I did a thing on the bum the other day, like a poll. And 64% of people said they don't get tested every three months. So they clearly have no idea. That's So that's probably like, I think like 12,000 people voted on it. So that's what, like at least 7,000 people yeah. don't get tested every three months. I mean, that's, that's alarming in and of itself. So are you guys all currently single in relationships? Shane, what, are, what about you? Yep, I am single. Christopher? Happily single. Chris? I am gay and not practicing. So yeah, single and not dating. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm also single in the quarantine solo. Yeah. Um, do you guys think being positive has affected your relationships at all? Like Shane, do you, are you like trying to find a boyfriend right now, like on dating apps or something and it just doesn't work out? Um, no, not so much. Uh, it's, it is difficult to try to date, you know, on apps, right? Like it's hard to read people. You can't, even if you use like an emoticon or something, which, um, is kind of recommended now, like, uh, to help 
clarify how you're feeling, right? Um, you don't get a sense of how that person is like through messaging. Yeah. I mean, video chat, maybe, sure. But, you know, you talk to someone on Grindr or Scruff or whatever it is, you know, you don't really see much of that person. Um, and I do tend to see that. Uh, I think people jump very quickly to make conclusions. Um, and on the flip side, you know, it frustrates me sometimes. Um, and sometimes I think I, I make an ass of myself because, you know, it's hard to communicate, especially like in 2020. Well, you can only educate someone so much, you know what I mean? Right. To the point where you feel like you're wasting your time. So, um, and I, I don't feel comfortable actually publishing my status on Grindr or anything like that. Um, I think that's great that Chris and Christopher do, but for me, I'm just, I tried that <laughs> and it was, like I said, a little traumatizing. So um, it's not something I feel comfortable doing now. In regards to like the messages you would get from people? Um, that and just, you know, people jumping to conclusions, they don't want to hear you out, you know, they automatically might think, oh, well, you know, he's positive, so um, I'm not on prep, or I don't know anything about it, block, or ignore, whatever. Hmm. Christopher sure experienced that Chris too. and Christopher experienced that a lot. Christopher, have you experienced that too? Well, I don't know. My experience on the dating apps has been kind of fine. I wouldn't say it's necessarily awful. I, I, I put my status up there because I'd, I'd rather tell you, you know, if you really do have a fear, stay away from me. If you have a stigma, take it upon yourself to stay away from me. It just kind of weeds them out, so to speak. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I have a lot of stigmas against me already. I'm a gay, Latin, HIV positive addict in recovery like I, I got them all stacked on me so i'm i my skin's a little tougher than normal so um, i usually just brush it off or deflect with humor but um when it comes to meeting someone fluidly like someone in person like i feel like it gives me more of an opportunity to communicate and to like practice honesty and like be a little more myself like i don't have to hide being gay i don't have to hide being yeah. positive I can time it properly. Like it's not, hi, I'm Chris, I'm HIV positive. What's up? You know, it's, yeah. I get to kind of feel that out, you know? So in regards to meeting someone fluidly, it's, it's really nice. And I've had to work on it. I was so like shy and shameful or embarrassed, or I didn't know, or I didn't know how to approach it. But as time goes on, you know, en enough fuck ups and you find the, the right way to go about talking about it, you know? Yeah. So um, for me, it's, it was practice. There was a lot of practice. And in regards to like grinder and scruff, like I, I use that for exactly what grinder and scruff is used for. Um, so, you know, I usually get the positive guys and you know what, they're a lot more fun anyway. Um, so the guys that I meet in person, you know, I try to be a gentleman. I try to make sure that I'm honest about my status when the time is right. I make yeah. sure that I'm honest with who I am, like all the other stuff that I told you. Um, because if the other person isn't really comfortable or doesn't really vibe with everything that I am, then it probably won't work out. But it's better to know that in the beginning than like date someone like everyone else dates them for like three months and then they find a red flag and they're like, oh shit, wish I knew this earlier. You know what I'm I mean? A basket of red flags, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what about you? How does it go dating for you? Um, 
It goes, uh, you know, I find that putting, putting my status out there kind of organically on the apps or dating sites is, is one thing that I can do, but I still always double check because for whatever reason as human animals, we're really sometimes more likely to prioritize getting laid than we're finding out about the person that we're going to get laid with. You know, it's yeah one of those things where you might look at just the cosmetics versus the whole, the whole profile. Um, so yeah, I do with your I, dick and not your brain. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's people that have showed up at my place and I'm like, I know what your asshole looks like, but what's your name? You know, <laughs> so, I know. You know, if I, if, if I have people showing up and I don't know their name yet, I definitely want to double check and make sure that, you know, before they get to my doorstep, they, they did see that I'm undetectable and that I understand what that means. Um, you know, and like Christopher said, letting them self-select out of my pool of potential candidates is way less stressful. You know, it's one less thing to worry about, but I don't, yeah. I don't think of that as the end of my responsibility, you know, and likewise, when people do demonstrate a dis-ease with my disease, um, I, I really try to kind of lift them up a little bit with the knowledge, you know, it may not be something that ends up happening. We may not go out, we may not have sex, but if I can help them walk away from the encounter a little bit more knowledgeable about, about what they're afraid of, you know, and, and not make it unsafe for them to, to demonstrate that vulnerability, then I feel like I've done something good. You know, it doesn't feel as good as getting laid, but it <laughs> definitely is um, better for the community overall. Well, listen, there's a lot of times to get laid and then once it's over, I'm like, why did I do that? You ever feel like that? I'm just like, this was so stupid. <laughs> like, just, just that. dang it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shane, let me ask you to end this note on what's like one stigma that you hope people get out of this episode? Like, what's one thing you hope people can learn about what it's like being HIV positive? Um, I mean, I hope they can learn that you know, it's nothing to be afraid of. Um, I mean, it's, completely manageable. Um, the person is on medications if they're undetectable or untransmittable. You know, there's no way they are going to get this virus. Um, PrEP, of course, helps. Uh, I don't know how it works with insurance, but I think it's pretty cheap, you know, um, very easily obtainable. Um, I just hope that people realize that uh, also, you know, how they react to a person and their status can also affect them um, and maybe treat people with a little more compassion, a little more kindness, and um, being a little more, you know, open. Yeah, I think people need more experiences in life. Chris, what do you think? I really hope that people check their own assumptions. You know, I think that we all go through our, our daily existence, especially in years as challenging as 2020 has been kind of doing our best to insulate ourselves against everything that comes at us from the outside world. Um, but the, like HIV is something that as gay men, we owe it to ourselves and to the people that we come into contact with to kind of know more about it than the general public. Um, you know, it's been thought of as a gay disease, as gay cancer since day one. And 
I think in order to stop that, the gay community really has to rally around the HIV positive community, the undetectable community and itself to kind of be ambassadors for the fact that it's nothing to be afraid of. It's, it's as manageable as diabetes and so many more people are on a speeding train towards diabetes these days than they are towards HIV. So yeah, real fact. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hope they come away with it from. You know, it's 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 not funny, but it's not terrifying anymore, you know. Um yeah. I like to say that I've had HIV since a lot of gay guys have been crapping diapers. And it's it's a long journey. I still don't know everything about it. And um As someone who's lived with it for 26 years, if I say that, I gotta, I gotta make it safe for people that are negative to be able to say it too. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people need to get to the point if like we have a stigma about it within our own community, like the gay community is what, like four to 5% of the whole world, you know what I mean? So if like we can't get it together in our little demo, like the rest of the world would be mortified, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. What do you have to say? What do I think people should, or what I would like people to take away from this? Yes. Um, I don't know. We're like, we're flesh and blood, man. HIV positive or not, anything that's going on in someone else's life, like show a little compassion, like someone else said. And then the second thing is for those who haven't been getting tested, that percentage kind of blew my mind when you said it. Um, everything is a yet. YET stands for you're eligible to, no one is immune. So we need to take safety precautions, get tested regularly, and make sure we're talking about this openly like we're doing now. No one, you know, no one is guaranteed immunity from something that they have no defense against. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's what I hope people take away from this. Would you guys advise everyone to get on PrEP who's not on PrEP? I have no knowledge of PrEP. I pretty much, I got HIV and just ran with it. So I have no comment on that, but I do recommend people get tested and talk to their doctor as to whether PrEP is a good choice for them. Wow, we got a doctor over here in the bottom corner. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, would you be on PrEP if it made sense for you? Yes, I would. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of situational. It depends on if someone's partnered, they have no interest in being open. It's just the two of them. It's a little different, right? But when you're dating, you're single, um, you know, you want to protect yourself and you want to protect others. Um, so I would recommend that you know, everybody get on prep. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I hope everybody got something out of listening to this episode. I'm going to attach each one of their Instagrams in the bio of this. So you guys can give them a follow. And also there'll be a couple links of resources if you need more information. So what, what are the resources like for um, the two of you in your states? Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't know really about like a federal resource. There's federal funding, but um, it really breaks down you know, differently in between all the states. Um, and I think it's a little more complicated for other states. Um, I go through AHF, so that's um, the AIDS Health Foundation. So that's, we have like three different facilities or hospitals down here dedicated to specifically that 
type of treatment and they also do primary care and dental and I use I think it's called Ryan White. So in Florida, yeah. we have Ryan White, which is like this program that pretty much gives me health insurance. So um, those are my two resources that I've that I know of thus far. So your yours are just more localized then. So you're where you're living. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in and- South Florida. So it's like Miami, Fort Lauderdale. So it's kind of um I live in the gay Mecca. Wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> it's that boundary. Yeah. I think those the numbers that we were talking about that were kind of you know surprising of people that don't get tested regularly and whatnot. Um, a big contributing factor is rural um, people living in rural areas. I mean, I would I had to drive an hour and a half to get to my doctor um, where I used to live, and I don't live in a big city now, but it's like a medium sized city, um, and we have a lot of resources here. But it is polar opposite, four hours away on the other end of the state. My doctor goes to my gym. <laughs> Doc, when am I getting tested? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about you, Chris? What is uh, Washington like? Um, we've got really good state programs here. Um, and I know that kind of to your point, they are fed with federal funds, but the execution in the Pacific Northwest with both Washington and Oregon have been Great. I mean, I've lived in both cities or both states rather for 20 of the last 25 years. So, um, yeah, we have like I go to Cascade AIDS Project and they have support groups. They've got uh, counseling, pretty much everything you could really, really want. And they also have a really good presence in the community. So you'll see them doing outreach testing at bars. and I think that that really helps to kind of destigmatize the the disease. Um, and I mean, Portland's a really progressive town when it comes to everything. So prep is really easy to get here, and it's paid for by the state. So if you don't have insurance, you can get it and uh, get some protection that way. And tests are also like almost instant now. I think you get your results in like 20 minutes. Um, I actually took a test uh, a couple of years back just to see, and it came back negative. That's how undetectable or un, you know it is in your body. You have to draw Amazing. blood like legitimately and analyze it. You all know it's, I actually, we had this conversation the other day. You know how like when you go to like the gay pride events or whatever, and then they have like that truck or something that's like around the food stands or something that's like, oh, go get tested. And you go inside the van and they tell you if you're tested or not. There's been so many people who said, I don't know why they do that, because it's like if you're at a pride event and you find out you're positive, like that's not the place you want to find out that you're positive. Like you're there to like party and like be drunk. And so they almost feel like it's a disservice that people aren't going in there to potentially hear negative news if you will yeah and i think that that's a a sign of how much fear there is around the disease still i mean we're 40 years into it and people are still kind of would you think they're afraid or ashamed or they're just gonna have their buzz ruined but you know i think shane said that when he found out he got hammered you know he went home he processed he went out he got drunk and I think that finding out that you're positive in a group of your closest friends with alcohol there to help would be 
more support than most people who find out that they're positive get, you know, you find out in a room with a stranger and it's scary, you know, with your friends around you, at least you get hugs. Yeah. And shots. Keep, keep on going to the concert or wherever it might lead you after that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, that is it. Thank you very, very much. Enjoy your day. Thanks for including me. Thanks no, for including thanks me. for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. Bye boys. Bye guys.